Amen. Our scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it up on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you for being able to praise and glorify your name and for being able to come to your table. We thank you for all that you've given us already in this service. We just ask now, O oh Lord, that you will open our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to receive your word. Give me your thoughts to be my own, Lord, as I proclaim it. And help us, O oh Lord, to be built up for your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We all know Jesus liked to use parables and analogies to explain very complicated things. It's kind of his modem operandum. Whenever he needed to explain something complicated like the kingdom of God, he used things like a mustard seed or a treasure hidden in a field. Whenever he wanted to talk about himself and explain the significance of what he was bringing into the world, he talked about himself as the living water and the bread of life. So it's not unusual for Jesus to, to go into these images and these metaphors and these similes and these comparisons and these parables in order for him to share some bit of revelation about something he wants his listeners to understand. In today's scripture, Jesus has gone up the mountain with his disciples after seeing a crowd begin to gather and knowing that he's going to be teaching them soon. And you know, sometimes Jesus liked to gather his disciples first and explain to them some things, and then talk to the crowds. And at other times, he did it backwards, right? He spoke to the crowds, his disciples went like this, and he said, okay, come on, let me go explain it to you, because you didn't get it. <laughs> and so in this case, he, he actually invites his disciples to go up the mountain with him, because the crowds were gathering, and he wanted to take the time to share some things with them before he addressed the larger crowd. 
Many of us are familiar with chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew because this is the Sermon on the Mount. And the first few verses of chapter 5 are the blessings. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are, you know, there's, there's about eight verses of blessed, 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 blessed. And this is what, what he shares with them before he gets to the part where he finally decides, okay, now let me talk to you directly you who are my disciples, you who are my followers. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I love this because he doesn't say, one day you will become. He doesn't say, if you work hard enough, eventually you will be. He doesn't say, you know, if you practice for a while, you can be light or you can be salt. He says, you are. He says, right now, you are light and salt. And it's really important that we understand that when Jesus used these illustrations, he was speaking to an audience that had an understanding of what he was talking about, which is not the same understanding that we would have of these kind of things. He says, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean to somebody in the ancient world? Well, as I was trying to explain to the children, salt was used to cure meat. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have freezers. And one of the ways that you prepared meat so that it would last longer was you put salt on it, and then you dried it. And it lasted a whole lot longer before it would spoil than if you didn't. So salt wasn't just an agent to season. It was an agent to preserve. Put that, in, put, put that on a bubble right here. An agent to preserve. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. If you've had salt, you know that you had salt. Because you could taste it. One morning I got up and I was making my coffee and my mom had come to visit. My mom likes to rearrange my kitchen whenever she comes so that I can't find anything. I know that never happens to anybody else. But I grabbed this container full of white crystals and two scoops in my coffee, stirred it nice and strong, and then took a big gulp and almost had to spit it out. It wasn't sugar. It was salt. When you have salt, you know it. And when you don't have salt, you know it. Has anybody been on a no-salt diet at the hospital? You thought hospital food couldn't get any worse until they put you on the no-salt diet. You knew something was missing. You could taste that there was something not there. Every morning I make eggs for Miguel for breakfast, and if I miss the salt... He'll literally go get the salt container and bring it to me and go like, duh, you missed it? How could you miss something so important as the salt? You see, salt makes it taste better. It makes a difference. The saltiness is there if you use the right amount of salt. The saltiness and the flavor is different. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And this is good news for us because it means that we are agents of influence. 
that we are agents of transformation, that we can have an influence on those around us with the saltiness of Christ. I think many of us, when we come to Jesus, you could call us the hot sauce of the kingdom because we're on fire for the Lord. We are spicy at that point. We are all fired up. But what happens over time is often we lose that zeal. We lose that excitement. We lose that momentum. And Jesus doesn't want that to happen to us or his disciples. So he gives them a warning. Salt that has lost its taste is no longer good for anything. If it loses its saltiness, it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, we don't understand that image either because we don't take salt and throw it outside. We throw it in the garbage. Well, what did they do when salt went bad back then? They just throw it out, out the door. On the ground. That's why people trampled underfoot. It was on the floor, outside. And so he was saying, it's not good for anything if it loses its saltiness. There's a purpose for salt. There's a plan for salt. There's a role for salt to play. And when it can no longer play its role, it's not good for anything. It's lost its saltiness. And I began to ask myself, I've never seen salt go bad. Does salt ever really go bad? I had to look that up. Did you know that salt does go bad eventually? The salt that we use, if it has additives and preservatives, eventually those elements corrupt the salt. Eventually, those additives actually work against the salt, and eventually it becomes contaminated by those things. It can be contaminated by water and air. Have you ever had a salt shaker that you went to shake and nothing came out because it was one big clump inside? It's because moisture got to it. It absorbs the the water in the air, and eventually goes bad. When Jesus talks about not allowing yourself to lose your saltiness, he's, he's really telling them, don't get contaminated with other things that will make you lose your edge for Jesus Christ. Don't contaminate yourself with the other things that the world says you need when you have what you need in Jesus. Stay the course. Remain pure found out that the only salt that never goes bad is the pure salt that has nothing added to it because it's in its natural form and remains in its natural form forever. Forever. In its natural form, it doesn't go bad. When you start adding stuff to it, it does. I think there's a little sermon in there for us. When you try to add too much stuff to Jesus... It can go bad because Jesus is all you need. Jesus' warning does takes new meaning when we consider this. You are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't let yourself get contaminated. Don't get distracted by other things. Continue to keep Jesus the same main thing that he's always been in your life and continue to be, as we learned last week, in love with Jesus because that's what you need.
The second illustration is one you're more familiar with, right? The one about a light of the world. We all love that one because we hear it at Christmas. Jesus is the light of the world. And then we love the idea of us being the light of the world. And we love the privilege of being considered the light of the world. It makes us feel special, doesn't it? We are the light of the world. But do we really understand what he means by this? When we are used to light that comes on at the flick of a switch. We're used to electric light, right? You just flick a switch, voila, there's light. But for people that are listening to Jesus' message back then, what is their experience of light? Having light requires preparation. You gotta have oil, you gotta have a lamp, you gotta flame to light that. And you've gotta maintain it. You've gotta make sure that it has what it needs to continue to burn. For them to have light in the darkness meant that they had to prepare every single day for the night. Every single day, the lamp oil had to be checked to make sure there was enough for the night. And if you didn't have enough, the lamp would go out and you'd be in darkness. And their darkness is not like our darkness. We got lampposts everywhere. We got all kinds of lights everywhere all the time. We even have lights on our phones. They didn't have that. When you're talking about darkness over there, we're talking about darkness that fell at night and it would go pitch black except for the light of the lamps and the lights of maybe the shining stars in the sky. That was it. There's nothing else. Are we prepared to be the light of the world in a world that is constantly descending into darkness? Just as surely as the night comes every day, there are moments in which our world descends into darkness and we are being called to be lamps full of oil, ready to be lit, to keep burning through that darkness until the dawn of morning comes. You know, light would have been so important to the disciples because they were used to being out in the wild with Jesus. I mean, he, he made them go everywhere. And what did they have to do? They had to build a fire <laughs> because they were out in the wild at times. They were staying in all kinds of places. And if you didn't have light, you know what happened? Wild animals would draw near. It was dangerous. Thieves could come in without being seen. All kinds of things in the darkness. We just don't have a concept of their darkness. We really don't. The only time that I think I can relate to this is when I lived back in Puerto Rico and I remember us having one of those really big hurricanes, you know, the kind that they tell you to stock up food and board up your windows and all kinds of things. And I remember that the power got knocked out for two solid weeks. Two solid weeks. And I remember that before the hurricane even arrived, everybody would run to the store and empty all the shelves. 
But you know what was always completely gone from the shelves? Besides the bread and the milk? The candles and the batteries for flashlights. Because nobody wanted to be in the dark when the storm came and the power went out. And the storm actually hit. We didn't have to go place candles because we had already placed them in anticipation of the dark. They had already been strategically placed throughout the house in high places so that we could just go by and light them as soon as the power went out. We didn't have to go look for matches because we had them in our hands. We didn't have to wonder where the flashlight was because we knew where the light was. We were prepared for the darkness. And Jesus was telling us as his disciples, are you prepared for the darkness? Do you know where the light comes from? Do you know where your source of light is? It's in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, when the lamp is lit, it's not put down under a bushel. It's put on a lampstand so that it brings light to the whole house. And we've been learning about lampstands in our Revelations Bible study. The lampstands in Revelation represent the church. Did you know that? The church. The church is the bearer of the light of Christ. And each one of us is up there as the light going out into the world so that the whole world will know the light of Christ. Each one of us is supposed to be shining before others so that they will give glory to God in heaven for the light that we are shining upon them through our testimony. Jesus tells them that the light is not just for their sake but for the sake of those that are walking in darkness around them that need to see the light. So that they will know that there's a better way to live in Christ. So that they will know that they don't have to remain in that darkness. He says, you're both salt and light. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't hide your light. But there's more. A lot of times when Jesus spoke, he knew that people would hear his words and would try to twist them and misinterpret them and apply them their own way. And one of the dangers with the gospel when he came out to share the gospel with people is that they would take his words and they would, they would take them and they would make them what he didn't mean them to be. And so he says to them, and by the way, yes, you are salt, you are light. But let me tell you something. I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to, to deny the prophets. I didn't come to deny what God has already revealed. I came to fulfill all that God has set forth. And that includes the law, and that includes the prophets. It was important for him to say that because he knew that there were some people that were going to go, oh, I'm the light. I'm the salt. I don't need the law. I don't need the prophets. I don't need to follow old rules. I don't need to worry about all that old stuff. I can just take on this new covenant and forget about all that old stuff. 
And Jesus was trying to explain to them, I'm not teaching you anything that's contrary to what has already been revealed in Scripture. I came to fulfill everything that has been promised. Everything that was written about the Messiah I have come to make pass. Everything that was written about the one who would come to save the world and be the light of the world, I have come to fulfill and come to pass. I have come so that you can be light and you can be salt to the whole world. Before they felt that they were too special to have to follow any rules, he says, and by the way, if you think you're doing good, let me tell you something. Your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes if you ever want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that must have been like a what? What, is, what do the Pharisees and scribes have to do with anything? Well, Jesus criticized the scribes and the Pharisees regularly. He did. He argued with them. He disagreed with them on several points. But one thing, they had very right. They loved the law and the prophets, and they believed in seeking to live a righteous life before God. They believed that this truly was God's revelation spoken to them through Moses and that they needed to follow God's rules for their lives. They didn't always get it right. Sometimes they used the law incorrectly, and Jesus was quick to point that out. But there was no question that they had sealed for God, that they wanted to do right, that they wanted to live righteously, that they wanted to do what God had instructed them to do. And Jesus basically says, if your righteousness is not like that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. And that would have been a hard bar to meet for the average Jew. Because the Pharisees and the scribes were very meticulous about following those rules. In many ways, the law keeps us humble. It reminds us that we need Jesus, that we need forgiveness, that we need grace, and that we can't do it apart from him. And the prophets reveal to us that God has had a plan from the beginning, and that plan includes us living in holiness, righteousness before God, and that when we do these things, we are light, light to the world, and salt of the earth. So Jesus is calling us to be, to be influencers in the full sense of the word. You know, influencers is a, is a modern term now that we use when, when somebody has a big fear, sphere of influence over a bunch of people. And basically, Jesus was calling us influencers before that ever became a thing. He was saying, you are to be influencers every single place you go. There should not be any place where you go where there isn't a difference because you're there because the light and the salt always make a difference. There's not a time in which light and salt go through and nobody notices. You can taste it and you can see it. Can people taste and see that God is good? Because of your testimony.
can they see and sense that God has a plan to save them and to give them new life. We live in a world that continuously is going into darkness. Are we going to be the light that Christ has said we are? I hope that we're ready to bring glory to God through our testimony and through the way we let ourselves influence others for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, because you have told us in this scripture that we make a difference, Lord, that our lives make a difference in your kingdom, that you use us, O oh Lord, as light and salt of the earth. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to influence those who are still walking in darkness, those whose lives are bland and need to be spiced up, those who need to know that there's a better way to live, that there's a better way to exist in this world with purpose and meaning. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you'll bring our saltiness back if it's waned, that you'll put your light in us if it's dim, and that you will help us, O oh Lord, to go forth in your name to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is always open if you would like prayer as we ask God to help us to be the light and to be the salt.